Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. If you're hearing this, then you are not on our private members-only podcast feed where we have our public episodes like this one, but tons more amazing mental wellness content, including our therapist circles, on-the-go articles, parent-focused meditations, and special episodes you won't want to miss. So head on over to yescollective.co, become a supporting member, and we'll get you your own private podcast feed today. Welcome back to the Yes Collective Podcast. I'm Justin Wilford, and I'm thrilled to introduce this month's theme in the Yes Collective. It's all about the power of woo for supporting our mental and emotional health. In this episode, my new co-host, licensed therapist, and Yes Collective senior expert contributor, Jenny Walters, and I explore the power of woo. We try to understand what it is, what it could be, and how we can use it consciously in our mental and emotional healing journeys. The Oxford Dictionary defines woo-woo as, quote, unconventional beliefs regarded as having little or no scientific basis, especially those relating to spirituality, mysticism, or alternative medicine. For us, woo refers to not just beliefs, but also practices that bring us into something beyond our own minds and the physical empirical world. Ginny and I talk about our woo journeys and why even the most hard-nosed materialist scientist should be okay with woo in the context of mental and emotional health. Whether you're woo curious or a crystal-loving, sage-burning, tarot card-reading, energy-healing lover of woo, you're going to totally dig what we have in store. So without further ado, here's our conversation on the wild and wonderful power of woo. Jenny, thank you so much. So I am super excited to announce to uh, our listening audience that Jenny Walters will now be the co-host along with me. We are going to co-host together the Yes Collective podcast. This is super exciting. Audra will still come on, but Audra... Audra is like the CEO of several different things. And so she's got such a huge load right now that it made sense for us to um, bring in this superstar, uh, Ginny Walters, as a well, co-host. <laughs> right, that's that's, uh, anyway, thank you. Superstar, just superstar, own it. Uh, yeah, okay, it. I'll own it. Now, these are big <laughs> shoes to fill, Audra, as we know. Um, but... I'm honored. I'm so excited. I just cannot, I love, you know, Justin, you and I always get into these great conversations and I love that we get to do it and share it and also be in curiosity about all these great guests that you bring on. And so I'm quite excited to be a part Ah, of this conversation. And Jenny, I'm feeling into the appropriateness of having you on as the co-host of the S Collective podcast, as we launch November's theme, which is the power of woo. (laughs) And the reason why is that Jenny, so you are a licensed therapist, you know, you engage in evidence-based mental health modalities. You have been doing this for a long time, but you are also someone, I think I'm not spilling any secrets here that, you know, you've on occasion will dabble in the woo. Dabble in the woo. (laughs) I was a closeted 
It was closeted <laughs> woo for a long time. Yeah. And now I'm much more, I'm, I'm out of the closet with my woo. Oh, I love it. You know it. what? I, can I say this? I have, a, I see a person in, in Los Angeles. She, she is an osteopath, which is a, she's a trained, you know, medical professional. That's she right. does adjustments on my body. I call her magic hands. <clears throat> she's worked miracles, but <clears throat> she was saying, you know, I am very much based in science. She said, I came at this from a place of science. That's what drew me to it. Understanding the body and, you know, the anatomy and working with it. She's like, but the more I do this work and the more I lay hands on humans, the more I see that there is an, there is an unseed world that we cannot necessarily, or has yet to be explained that is absolutely real and potent. And I've just, she's like, I've just seen it too many times. And that's how I feel in this work. I'm, I'm legit. I have a license. I went to school. I did the practicum. You know, I've seen, you know, I've done thousands of, of sessions with humans and, but there is something that uh, is sometimes unexplainable that happens uh, that I've seen more often than not that I just cannot deny. And so it's, so here I am out of the closet about my, my love of woo. Oh, I love it. And when we decided to make November's theme, the power of woo several months ago, it really came from more of an evidence-based approach. And I wrote an article or, or I wrote for my newsletter. I have a personal newsletter that I have on the power of woo several months ago. And it was really from a more evidence-based standpoint. Like here are all the reasons that we should all, no matter what your educational background or your um, views on the supernatural are, we can all agree on these things about woo. However, I just got back from this retreat in Sedona, Arizona, which I believe is one of the, the, yeah, it is like (laughs) the land of, it is the global capital of woo. I mean, there are there any other places that are more woo than Sedona that you know of? Not in America. Oh, where globally would I go to get even more woo? I don't know, but I think I'm, I, I have to imagine that cultures that have existed long before ours have powerful vortexes and. Oh, woo, I have you no know, doubt about that. Yeah. But a place that, I mean, it's. You, that means marketing like the woo. In every, yeah, I mean, it's in every strip mall. There's, oh, I mean, there's I all sorts of, it's just, it's just everywhere. And then of course, just retreat <laughs> centers and. It is the place to go to get in touch with woo. So, anyway, true. I there w- may be no other place in America or in the in the world that has branded woo Brand, yes. as successfully as <laughs> Sedona, Arizona. Yeah, for sure. So, I just got back from a five day retreat, uh, and oh man, I'm just feeling the woo. I'm just like I'm just in your believer. More, I'm coming back more wooed than I think I've ever been. Yeah. Oh. So we'll get to, yeah, we'll get to talk, uh, about this, uh, and about our, our own woo journeys. I, I think, you know, we all, we all have our own woo journeys, but I'll start with, I'll start off this podcast by saying a little bit about some of the, I think more objective, uh, evidence-based reasons why we might want to bring woo into our lives. So first of all, most woo is like zero risk. If you're doing a tarot reading or you have crystals in your room or you're, you know, 
smudging with sage. I guess maybe with a smudging with sage, there's some volatile airborne particles, <laughs> you know, that could irritate. But I guess as long as you're not doing it all the time, like. Um, so most woo, very low risk. So even if we would say there would be zero benefit to it, if there's zero risk, then why are, why are we worried about it? Now, we also know about the placebo effect. So we know that there's not zero benefit to it. If somebody believes that it's helping, then just by this very well-known, very well-studied mechanism called the placebo effect, it's helping them. So we can say, all right, low risk, it's helping them. And then a third thing is that for hundreds of thousands of years, probably, humans have been gathering and connecting with each other through woo, through rituals, through myth, through uh, sacred objects, through sacred actions. And so woo is deeply woven into our evolutionary biology. It's how we connect with each other. And if we reject woo, then we're also impoverishing our social lives. So that's another reason. And then I think, and then I'll just do one more that I think is just objective that we can all agree on, even the most hard-nosed scientists, is that our emotional worlds, the language our emotional worlds speak is the language of woo. When we dream at night and all this weird stuff's going on, that is our emotional world speaking in its native tongue, right? And so I believe that when we engage in things like energy healing, crystals, tarot, astrology, when we do these things, we are essentially speaking the native tongue of our emotional worlds. So though that's that's what I've got, Jenny. Uh, I would love to first hear what you think about those. Yeah, more more objective justifications for for woo. Amen. I could not agree more. And I think that we have to even the word woo. We may need to start to have to find language because it's a self deprecating term that I think yeah. people who ha are attached to rational thinking and want to be accepted and not thought of as as crazy, we've we've adopted this term to sort of say, well, yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but really we're putting something down that is, like you said, is is rooted in in generations and cultures outside of of our own for centuries. I mean, so many of these practices uh, go back so far and have been helping humans make meaning in life, make sense of life, have helped them physically cope in life, mentally and emotionally cope as well. And so when we call it woo, we're sort of undermining all of that in a way that I think there's an arrogance to it, you know, and I self-deprecate around that word all the time. And it's my own self-consciousness around concern about whether others will think. The more I am in my community and in my family, and the more frankly that that these sorts of conversations unfold, I think it's not, it's not as, um, it's not as looked down upon as we might think it is. Oh, I've, I've totally found that. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. With, everyone's everyone's just been closeted. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. We've all, we've all been shamed into closeting our woo. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking like when I, you know, went to my first gay bar and I was like, oh, you know, like there's other, there's others. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, um, when you start to be, and that's, what's nice about Sedona is you can just be open about it. 
Yeah. It's like one big woo bar and you can just be open about it. And it's like, no one's, no one's looking down. No one's judging. There's a freedom and you realize, and it's all kinds of people there that visit Sedona, right? It's not just the stereotypical people that you think. And it's like, oh yeah, this is, you know, there's something very universal about this. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I totally hear that about the self-deprecating in the woo. I do find though, you know, from a, from a historical vantage point. So my first dissertation was about evangelical megachurches in the suburbs. And I did a lot of research on the history of religion in the Western world up to the present. And the history of religion for the last, you know, three or 400 years has been one of secularization. It's, it started off very slow, but it has now picked up and it's even happening here in the U.S. If for the 20th century, there were sociologists who were arguing like the U.S. is a special case and it's not secularizing. No, it is. There's this rise of people who are saying they don't belong to any religion, and it just continues to go up and up and up every single year that they ask. On one hand, talking about woo or using the word woo is is deprecating, but on the other, I think it does provide a bridge when we are in this long age of secularization for people to come back in to a spiritualized world like we've many of us have had to lose our childhood spiritualized world we came into adulthood we're like we want to be reality based like what's actually happening here and then the question for many of us is how do we in an intellectually honest way find our way back into woo so for me woo or i'm just using woo right now because we could use the word spirituality, and I'm not sure spirituality covers all the forms of woo that we that we would want to. Let's cover. take back yeah. woo. I'm let's. I'm just. I'm. <laughs> I, you've changed my mind, and I am in this moment. I am like. I'm all about woo. Let's just use the word woo and say it with pride. Say it yeah. with pride. Yeah. Can yeah. Oh, could 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 woo be like queer? Where where we like I was just own it? That. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay. Who is yeah. the queer of of spirituality, but also of all the pra- all the unseen practices all that deal with the internal? Practices. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I would like to begin first. How would you define woo? Because we just kind of noted there, it covers spiritual stuff, but maybe even more than that. So when you talk about woo, Jenny, what comes up for you? What are some of the actual practices and ideas that would be in woo? As I think about that question, I think, oh, is woo on a spectrum? Because I know people (laughs) who think that the kind of therapy that I practice, which is rooted in the imaginal, it's rooted in Jungian therapy. It's called yeah. a depth therapy. Yeah. Um, it rooted in working with the unconscious, with Im- images, dreams, all of that. Uh, there are people who would say that that is woo. Yeah. That that would say that That's that right. is just BS and what are you talking about? And that doesn't really help people, you know. But to me, that's not woo at all. I mean, that is just, to me, that's psychotherapy. That's but, right. but that's just the lens to which I come in. You know, so then you move into like you mentioned a bunch earlier, you know, tarot, astrology, or is it tarot? I've had people recently saying tarot. Oh, I don't know if it's okay. anyway. Um, <laughs> we don't need to worry about that right now, but there's astrology, there's mediums, you know, communicating with people who've mm-hmm. passed over. 
there's um, energy healing, all kinds of modalities of energy healing. You know, my wife practices sound healing, right? Where she puts, you know, tuning forks. Some people would say that's very woo. There are physical therapists who work on athletes with tuning forks. I mean, it's sound and vibration. It's very science-based, but there are other people that would say that's really out there and that's super woo-woo. So, and then you can get with people who are you know, very, very much into the place of, you know, communicating with aliens and, and, you know, you can get into other dimensions, right? Like other dimensional multi-dimensional yeah, multi- reality. Yes, yes. The multiverse and, and the woo starts to, you know, and, and that woo may make someone who's more in the middle of the woo spectrum, a little uncomfortable, you know, so it really, there's so many layers and levels to it. Yes. I, yes. I can't possibly name it all. That makes sense to me. Yeah, when I think about woo, I think just about popular practices and ideas that are not part of the mainstream medical model. And so it's just okay. so it, really for in my own Western like, medical model. Yeah, yeah, like in my mind it's almost term of it's just what is what does not fall in to the western medical model. If it doesn't yeah. then yeah, then it's woo and then I like that idea of it being on a spectrum because there would be plenty of people who are very comfortable in the Western medical model who would say, oh, I'm, I'm fine with depth psychology. Yeah, it's a little woo, but I'm, and so I can imagine that like, okay, so that's really close. And then it, and then it goes all the way out to like multidimensional aliens and all the other stuff. I mean, Um, there are people that think mindfulness meditation is woo. Oh, I think. You know, that feels almost like performative, empirical, Western concrete, like mindful meditation was my way in back into woo. Because when I went back to school for a PhD in public health, I was introduced to mindful meditation, which I had done meditation way back in the 90s when I was a teenager and early 20s. And then left it aside. But what, but what drew me back in was, oh, here are all these randomized control trials. Like it's just so well studied. Mindful meditation, even when I started in 2015, had just tons of research and now there's even more. And so that is, it's, it's nice that I think that's now yeah, it's being pulled. That out. was your gateway drug. To that was, loop. and I think it's a lot of because people's it, gateway drugs. Yeah. Because there was science backing it up. But for a yes. long time, there wasn't, the science wasn't there yet. No. no. And people thought it was meditating, you know, what a yeah. waste of time. You're just sitting there in yeah. your own thoughts. Yeah. 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 What yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? That makes me think about my own journey into the woo. All right. So I do want to pause you there because I want you to intentionally tell us about your journey into woo. Like let's, let's just, let's let's just, yeah, let's go there. I had an unintentional journey into the woo when I was about eight years old Mm. and um, my uncle Russell died in a horrible car accident and I was raised Catholic. And so we had open casket funerals and I was walked up to this casket And he was very heavily made up because there had been a lot of damage. And so Mm. they had a lot of stuff going on to make him look like Uncle Russell. And it was very, very frightening for me as a kid. I mean, you know, I think, and there wasn't anybody walking me through metabolizing, seeing a a dead body or anything like that. So I just was just part of this ritual. I'd never seen it, you know, 
a dead person before. And then later that, I don't know if it was that night or that week, I was laying in bed at night and I swear to God, Justin, a man, Uncle Russell in his cardigan and his pants was at the foot of my bed and he was telling me, don't be scared. It's okay. And I'm okay. And I will never forget. It's like, I can see it right now and I can see he was here. And then my bedroom door was there. And outside my bedroom door was this huge oil painting of St. Teresa. It was a very Catholic, very Catholic house. (laughs) And it was just kind of like, and I remember feeling scared and then not scared. And then he just kind of walked out. Now that stuck with me the rest of my life. I never, I didn't tell anybody for years and years and years and years. And this is what I come to with Wu. And I'll get into my story in just a second, but whether I made it up or whether it happened, it helped me. And I don't know that it matters. I've heard enough of these stories now and I've experienced other experiences like that, that I don't think I'm making it up. But that said, what I come to with Wu, and I can give you multiple examples as we talk today, whether I made it up or whether it's real, it brought me, it brought me healing. It brought me help. It brought me comfort. It brought me insight. It made me feel more connected to something outside of myself greater than myself. And that brought me great soothing during really painful or scary times. So now I was raised strictly, I was super Catholic house. And, um, in fourth grade, I sent a petition around the school for girls to be altar boys. I got over a hundred signature. I was at, I was at a really small Catholic school, but I got over a hundred signatures. I took it to Monsignor Bauer, which is like the head priest. And he laughed in my face. And that was the day I left the church in my heart. I just was like, you know what? I really wanted to have a relationship with God, but this religion thing and this, this thing that somehow by, by, by way of my gender, I'm not allowed to participate. I wanted to wear the robe and, you know, do the incense and hold, you know, I wanted to participate. So, yeah. So so I'm imagining how many generations passed the, the girl who wants to be more involved in their religious traditions gets rejected in that way. And then they shut down and conform so they can be a part of these religious traditions. But you instead were like, no, I'm not going to shut down and conform. Instead, this is not for me. Well, that's right. That's a big change. <clears throat> that's yeah. a big change. And it was purely internal because I couldn't outward. I still had to go to mass every day. You know, I still had to go to mass every Friday at school. I had to go every Sunday with my parents. I, I wasn't, I didn't have it in me in, at 10 years old to stand up to, but inside I was in a, I was in a spiritual crisis, honestly, starting at 10 years old. I really wrestled with this and went through, I mean, a lot of shame, a lot of worry. I'm going to go to hell. You know, you got all these beliefs that you've been indoctrinated with and you're just like, you know, what is it? And then by the time I got to high school, I went to an all girls high school and there were a lot of nuns around, but they were like really hip, cool nuns who I'm positive were dabbling in the woo on the side. <laughs> I'm like a hundred percent sure. One of them was a woman who um, sadly has passed away, Miss Hoeker. She's a former nun. She had left the the um, sisterhood, but she counseled me after class. And I, I, I came to her with all of these questions and she really gave me permission to feel what I was feeling, to explore and to really understand spirituality in a more expansive way outside of the notion of religion. And she wasn't, you know, pointing me in any particular direction, but she just gave me a lot of validation and a lot of comfort and a lot of um, permission. And she gave me a, a few beads to, to hold on to. Yeah. And I still have those beads. And I really believe that this was, for me, 
the opening toward the woo. It was then that I started to pursue every religion I could. I did Quaker. I did Buddhist. I did uh, Unitarian. I did, you know, I just tried to, I tried them all. Taoism. I was just, as I look back, I think that was me starting to be so curious about wanting to feel a spiritual, have a spiritual life, have a spiritual connection. But I still at that point felt it needed to be legitimized by some kind of religion. But anyway, that was the beginning, I'd say, of, of my of my foray into the woo. And then, oh, and then started to, you know, come into contact with um, people who did like a tarot reading or, you know, and, and having enough experiences where something pretty astounding occurred. I mean, you know, we can get into I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I mean, I had a past life reading that was completely mind boggling and <clears throat> helped me out quite a bit, changed a lot of things tarot readings. I mean, just all kinds of things where what I noticed is whenever I opened my up self up to believing in something beyond myself and a letting, letting a little magic in and letting the, the unseen take some space, I was always met with something sort of serendipitous that, that brought a deepening of my understanding of the situation and some healing, some relief that I, you know, like it, it helped me come out of resistance and into acceptance of what was going on, but, but understanding it on a deeper level and then ultimately feeling a little bit better, maybe not being completely without suffering, but suffering a little differently with it. So you mentioned that you were closeted woo for a while. How long do you feel like you were closeted woo? I would not have had this conversation five years ago. Yeah. So. 10 years ago, I would have it with certain friends, you know, but I would always like dip my toe. And then as soon as I got, got the um, permission, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I don't think I would have had a conversation with you back mm. at the beginning of your journey because I knew you were super scientific science-based. Yeah. I would have been a little, I would have been hesitant. I would have, I wouldn't, would have been afraid that you thought I lost my marbles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so you feel like it started to open up for you about five years ago. Um, was there anything in particular that happened for you that you're just like, okay, I, this is this is a, a real part of my life, and I'm now gonna open up. Well, let me it. let me clarify. It's been a real part of my life for twenty years. Mm, okay, but in terms of being really open about just unapologetically being woo and verbally, you know, out out in the world, that I would say is is un, has has happened in the last like five to seven years or so. So, in terms of being out of the closet with woo, I think just being around more and more people of, from all walks of life and my clients, just realizing the more I and this is true with anything with ourselves, right? The more we are ourselves, the more we are in our authenticity, the more we find. That self-acceptance, the more we find the acceptance out in, in our community and, and the people that we meet. And you find that there are more people who join you in, in, in that than don't, you know, usually. So that's just been my experience of just letting that evidence in and starting to have some, some faith. All that said, you know what it is, Justin? I had a past life reading. When I talk woo, I had a past yeah, life yeah, yeah. reading. I don't know. This was pre-COVID. So maybe like four years ago, five years ago. And she said you've had two, you've had a lot of lives as a woman and as a man. And she said, as in and, and a lot of those lives, you've been very outspoken. And as a man, you were, you got power and money and praise for it. And as a woman at, in one lifetime, you were killed for it. Wow. And she's like, you have suffered immensely in a female form 
when you have been open and honest and, and verbal and in your power. And, wow. and I have to say this resonated so deeply because she said, this is the first lifetime where you've sort of, and I I'm talking on a, a imaginal gender binary here. I don't mean, you know, cause I believe in the gender spectrum. So I don't mean to be in a binary place, but I'm talking like symbolically that the characteristics that we associate with the feminine and the yes. masculine, yes. she said, this is the first life where those have, have come together and you have been able to walk in a traditionally like female form and been in some amount of safety. Mm. And she's like, but your psyche doesn't totally know that because of all this. And that is the truth. I, I don't like posting on social media. I get very shy like being a podcast host, this is, this is a, this is pushing it for me. Like it's a good, no, it's, it's good yeah, growth, but, yeah. but there is definitely fear inside around it. So when she oh. said this again, whether that's true or not, she knew nothing about me, but when she said that it really resonated I was like, oh, well that makes a lot of sense, you know? Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Some of the work in this retreat over the last week was about getting in touch with some ancestral traumas and even just shared as like to think about how many women have suffered over the human history and to really get in touch with that ancestral suffering in all different forms. And what I'm feeling into here is just that, that your personal like past life lineage just carrying yeah. so much suffering. But I love that you just use the word ancestral because I, I've i been so curious about doing more ancestral work and because I haven't really done any of that. And I when I think past life, it has like a disconnect, but there's something about ancestral that then hooks me up and keep and is, has me connected to, to everyone in the past, you know, women in the past relatives in the past, you know, so that's an interesting reframe. It. Um, well, like for that. me, the ancestral thing is woo because for most of, well, no, for all of my adult life and really, oh gosh, going back to even adolescence and pre-adolescence, a feeling of being disconnected from my own family in the sense that I didn't share their aesthetic <laughs> values. I, you know, my dad and his family love to hunt and camp. I've always hated, like, I, why aren't we in a hotel? What are we doing out here? We've, we've worked too hard to be scrounging like this. Um, so, and, and then as I grew up feeling disconnected politically and religiously. So growing up and becoming an adult was about just stepping into my own individuality. And I didn't feel like I had any connection to any sort of ancestral, like no, nothing. And so getting into some woo stuff over the past couple of years, I keep coming into contact with this idea of ancestors and how we can our obligations to our ancestors, our connections, ha having ancestral guides. So this last week at this retreat, there was some heavy ancestral work that was really amazing. Wow. If, we get a, if we get a chance to talk about it, I, I don't mind uh, sharing a little bit about it. But uh, that has been a really important whoop practice. And it kind of 
like, I feel like it's, it's a little bit closer. Uh, it's a little bit less on the woo spectrum because we all do actually have ancestors. You know, I mean, we come from somewhere. <laughs> we do. But I think what, where it gets into woo for folks is the idea that we could be in communication yes. and yes. connection with it now. hundred percent. I think you should share a little. I mean, why not? Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's hear a little. Oh my gosh. Whew. Okay. I've, to be careful because some of the people involved in this ancestral story are still alive. <clears throat> and so I'll just say that my grandfather passed away two years ago on my mom's side. And I loved him, never had a very close relationship with him. He was, um, so he's from New Mexico. He was in the seventies, like the top sales person for Xerox and then went on to be a successful real estate broker in Phoenix and had the trappings of success. But from a young age, I never felt connected with him because I think he took on the salesman persona. I never connected with him from a young age. I felt like here's a salesman. I do not know what is behind this facade. He was always kind and loving. Nothing. There was never a hint of anything else, you know, there, but I just felt like I can't connect with you. Like there, there is this artificiality and I, I don't know who you actually are. And I felt all, this all the way through until uh, he passed away from Alzheimer's two years. So when he passed away, I was sad for my mom. I was sad for uh, all of his kids and his wife. And, but I did cry and I, because of the work I've been doing over the past several years, I can cry. I'm very, I, I can even sob and no tears. And then we had his memorial last year, last January, again, no tears. I was present. I, you know, connected to everyone there, but no, no tears came up before this retreat that I went on. One of the uh, leaders of the retreat suggested we read this book because the retreat, one of the, the themes of the retreat was the shadow. It was bringing light to the shadows. So it was going to be a lot of shadow work and, and grief was a part of this. And so he recommended this book called The Smell of Rain on Dust by Martine Prechtel. Have you heard of this book? Oh, my God. It is. So I have not. Good. I have not. All right. So if it is the best thing I've ever read on grief. And so I got about halfway through the book before the retreat. One of the things that came up in this book, he wrote, the author wrote about indigenous grieving practices and ideas. One of the ideas is that if someone is not properly grieved, they can't pass over to the other side. And so this just stuck with me. I, I don't know why. And I didn't even think about it in terms of my grandfather. But on the first night of the retreat, we had this beautiful ecstatic dance ceremony. I won't go into it. But because of the setting in Sedona and we're outside and it's just this beautiful Sedona environment and it reminded me of new mexico as well there it's very similar and then my grandfather and then it was just there and in this ecstatic dance i just felt his presence like oh wow and then it just came up for me like oh he's never been grieved properly not by mm. you not by anyone not by anyone mm. so if just a sense like okay maybe some of the work i'm meant to do here is grieving him. He was, there was some abusive stuff early on 
for 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 him and his uh wife and my mom and the kids it really early on that I learned about just last year and then felt like I needed a process like really grieve the abuse and grieve the yeah. pain and so there there were many points in the retreat where what was the practices we were doing really opened up the space just to be present with that pain that was caused and to grieve it and to release it by the time we got to saturday which is like the fourth day of the event we had a breathwork ceremony now i've done breathwork a bunch of times and breathwork is becoming a really popular thing right now and I'll just tell you, I've never done breath work like this. This was profound. It was magical. Uh, this type of breath work was discovered, invented, created by Stanislav Grof. I won't go into it, but in the 1970s at the Esalon Institute. And it's basically this, if you can hear me. <sighs> so it is these deep breaths and you are, it's basically controlled hyperventilation. And, it, and it's all through the mouth. It's yeah, it pretty much I different styles might include some nose, but it's like mostly through the mouth. Okay. And, but yeah, what we did on Saturday, yeah, through the mouth, it's just a and you just kind of let the air come out, but you're taking in deep breaths and you're doing this for 60 minutes. Essentially, it you experience carbon dioxide poisoning and, but you one goes into an altered state of consciousness. And I've done this many times before and it's always powerful, but this time it was something else because there were, so there was a hundred of us, there were 200 at the retreat. There was a morning and an afternoon. And there were, there were 10 like breathwork masters, shamans, medicine people, who were kind of holding the space, so to speak. So they were there doing, um, uh, they, they would have like burning sage or tobacco or doing body work or energy work or whatever, shaking rattles or whatever. I don't know because my eyes were closed, but it was just so profound. And it was led by Aubrey Marcus and uh, this medicine woman named Blue. They were the like lead leads but the other eight were just amazing and it was uh, like i'll say i'm happy to report because I, I put this out in other contexts i've done psychedelics before i've done different psychedelics different dosages in different contexts so i've done my fair share and this was as powerful if not more powerful than any psychedelic experience wow. i've ever had Wow. Um, yeah. And so just to keep it real short and focused on the ancestral work, I was able to, in this experience, commune with my grandfather's spirit, grieve him fully. And I'll just say in this breathwork session with a hundred people, it was pure pandemonium in there. I mean, it was like people yelling and and crying and sobbing and wailing and laughing. I mean, it was the whole gamut. It was insane. But my eyes were closed the whole time and I was just relaxing back and uh, grieving my grandfather and just just connecting with him. 
And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what happened at what time. It's all kind of uh, mixed up chronologically. But at one point, so I'm laying there on this mat and the the sun so we're underneath this this big tent and there's these like parts where the tent is tied together you know and so there's little cracks and the sun had just come in and my eyes were closed but i could see the sun just all of a sudden just start to kind of fill up my my eyelids and at that moment i was able to let him go and he and he just went in to the sun it was kind of just passing over to the other side and it felt so beautiful and so complete. I mean, it really felt like this completion of this day-long journey with him. Um, and I, I have, yeah, just a sense of just peace and 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 calm around him. Wow, uh, just yeah, that that happened from that. There was a lot others. There there was a lot of other stuff going on that we can uh, talk about. It was a jam-packed. Time. Oh, uh, that breathwork. Oh well, no. I mean, just in that, just in that single breathwork. Just that in that was, sixty minutes. Yeah, that that the grandfather thing took up maybe about half of that time. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you were sort of were you? Well, I should just ask: Were you sort of surprised by by that process that that presented itself and unfolded? Like you didn't go into this retreat intending oh, to, no. and yeah. I didn't go in. So with the breathwork. At the beginning, they said, you know, set an intention for what you want to do with this breath work, because if you don't set an intention, it can just go in a bunch of different ways and you might not be able to fully explore or complete what you need to complete. So the intention that I set was I had two intentions going in and one was to connect and work with a young part. So we've talked a lot about internal family systems. I have been working with this really young part that is uh, like maybe one one year old or two, like this is before language, but and I don't have any memories, but it's just a feeling around just needing this part, needing a feeling of just unconditional love. And, and so I was like, okay, I want to connect with that part. And then I want to connect with my grandfather, but there was no particular intention beyond that. I wanted to connect and then just see where that was. See going. what happens. And yeah. yeah. And so then the grandfather thing just was like that just went in, in its own direction. And with the young part, it felt, yeah, it felt totally held and safe. And, mm. and, and then, yeah, there was some other stuff that went on later on in the breathwork journey around feeling just this sense of safety and being, being held and not just being held by a mother, but even bigger than that, being held by the universe. Like, Right. Well, and maybe that's the, you know, the thing that we can bring us back to this kind of um, this idea of woo that, I mean, good for you for setting aside the time and space to, to encounter the woo in that way and the retreat and to, to, to extend an invitation to allow that connection to happen. Because I think we can get so busy that the woo for me is a place in which I have to set time aside to engage mm. with it. It's not something yes. I can just like do while I'm driving. Oh heck yeah. You know, I can't, it's not a podcast I can listen to or a book I can read. Oh. It's always some kind of a practice. Heck and yeah. and maybe that's also growing up Catholic. You know, it's a very Catholicism's a very ritualistic, very kind of, you know, there's well, a Jenny, 
there's a lot of wisdom in that from the Catholic tradition and really all religious traditions. And so in the sociology of religion, sacredness is defined yeah. as that which is set apart. And right. and so like that's it. it. What is sacred in different cultures is going to be all these different things. But fundamentally, one thing that is shared by every culture is that the sacred is what we set apart. And so what you're yeah. saying right now is so important. Like we need to set apart time for this. Yeah. I remember in, in college, I took a class on religion and studied the, you know, the, the idea of the sacred and the ritual. I think that was the name of the, one of my favorite books from that class, the sacred and the ritual anyway. And I did a paper about how we would get together and watch 90210 together as, you know, freshmen in college. And that was something sacred. There was, we had yes. rituals we would yes. eat the same foods. Set we apart would, time. And yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, so now obviously further along in my, in my life, these moments of, of engaging in woo, some of which are just practices with my, you know, with myself and going straight to source, Yeah, which I really think we, as a world for our own evolution, need to move out of, you know, needing the priest in the sense of not that we don't need healers and we don't need people to hold space, but in terms of the authority yes. that we've placed in religious leaders and things like that. So for me, healing from the, the Catholic stuff, to be able to have direct communication and mm -hmm. direct contact and to start to be able to trust my own knowing around that and my own, um, the way that I receive information and the way it, it makes its way in has been really validating. And then also to just uh, at times need a conduit, right? Sometimes I will go and, and meet with some kind of practitioner or a healer, but it's a really different relationship than it was when I would like sit in confession, right? And talk about what a terrible person I am and then be told whether or not God was going to punish me. Very different, <laughs> very different relationship. Yeah. And I think that that's what, you know, the people that are in their integrity in the woo, holding space in that way, it can be really powerful. Now, certainly there are people that get hung up on the power stuff. That's another episode, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know. I mean, I think, I think that in this, we can think of it as a new form of woo. Like I think the, the healthy new forms of woo are always going to connect people to their own inner knowing their own yes. source and yes. if anything their own power yeah if anything is directing a person outside of that then it is an older form that i think is more like the old forms of religion that really i could start to really geek out on this stuff but i think the, yeah the healthy forms of woo today are ones that are just constantly letting us feel more of ourselves, more of who we mm -hmm. truly are and helping us step in to who we are, who we feel like we're meant to be listening to that inner call. So I think that's one. And then the other thing for me that is a real way to gauge, like, is this healthy or not? Is, is it also connecting me with other people? So I think mm -hmm. those, those are like, do I feel more connected with those in my life? And do I feel more connected with who I really am? Right. Could not agree more. I mean, and it's true with, in therapy too. I mean, the, the therapist holds a lot of power and there's certainly, you know, a history of power dynamics that we have to be very mindful of 
in practicing therapy, but that ultimately it's about connecting you with introducing you to yourself. And, you know, even in the unconscious work, right. It's uh, how are we a empathic companion and holding space. And yes, sometimes, you know, there is some guiding, there is some, you know, redirection. There are certain questions. Sometimes there's some confrontation, but ultimately it's in service of you knowing you and you being in connection to you and you being in, in your knowing and your power. Exactly what you said. I couldn't agree more. Yes. And so I'm going to just geek out for a moment. I figure anyone Please. who is who is listening now, like 40 something minutes into the podcast <laughs> is just going to stick with this. One of the reasons why I love parts work and internal family systems is because it it has this woo aspect to it, which is the oh, self, yeah. capitalist itself. But it also is explicitly doing what you just said, introducing one to oneself. It, it it is it is introducing us to ourselves. And for me, I've really gotten into Robert Keegan lately. And so Robert Keegan is a developmental psychologist. He's now retired. He's an emeritus professor at Harvard who working off of a bunch of other developmental psychologists developed a five-stage model of psychological growth, psychological development that extends into adulthood. And the main mechanism for development from birth until we die is making what is subject or what is what is our the just the way we see the world the lens that we see the world through making that into object or something that we can now have some distance from and start to to look at understand manipulate reflect on and that that is mm-hmm. the process going from birth all the way until death and that this is what we as humans constantly need to do is make what is subject what is just our own subjective worldview out into object and i feel like that yes. is what good woo practices do and that's what internal family systems does is we're constantly like oh instead of speaking from a part where like, oh, I'm just pissed and I hate this. Oh, I can now get a little bit of distance and I can speak for the part. Oh, I have a part that hates this and doesn't want to do that. And now I've just made subject in, into object. Yeah. I mean, if we can, we can look at every possible, we can look at the way uh, even tarot brings it into the imaginal, brings it into archetype. We can talk about the way IFS brings it into parts. We can talk about the way um, story and myth brings it into a universal story that we can, we can understand as it relates to us. Um, If you look at ancestral work, right, it's like, how are we connected to the past, the epigenetics of trauma, but it can be understood in this way that's inside of us can now be sort of put outside of us us. and understood. Yeah. Can be, can be put outside and we can gain perspective. Yes. I have to tell you, I had an IFS session the other day where I was so, there's been a lot of painful stuff going on with my mom. She's in the last, yeah. you know, she's in the last stage of her life and and she's preparing to pass. And, and it, <clears throat> I don't care what your relationship with is with your mother. It kicks up a lot, a lot of intense feelings oh, yeah. and stuff. Okay. Um, and so I was just could not, un, could not access self energy in this session, but I could feel something outside of me and you can call it spirit source, God, And I told my therapist, I said, I can't feel myself being able to give this compassion, but I can feel this. 
this other thing giving me compassion. And she said, that is self-energy. It was such a beautiful moment of being able to locate compassion outside of myself to bring it inside. But I had to make it, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there any other way than through something that felt spiritual. And that was in my, my, you know, my therapy. I mean, that's not um, a woo practice, um, but there was something that feels very woo in a beautiful way that got to unfold there in that session. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's what, yeah, that is really what jazzes me up so much about internal family systems is that when we do this work and the more we we make subject object the more we we you know take our own inner world and start to uh distance ourselves a little bit from it get a little bit of space what starts to open up is that the space that we are relaxing back into is the capital s self its spirit its source whatever you want to call it and we all have our our own individual capital s self and spirit but the more we relax into it, I have witnessed this in myself and others. We are now connected to something bigger. Like it really mm-hmm. does feel like, oh, there's a big capital S self. There's a big spirit, a big source that our own little spirit source is totally connected to. I love that. I could not agree more. Justin, there's so much woo we didn't cover. I mean, there's Oh my like, God, we are, we are at- oh. There's, <laughs> there's <laughs> like, right. I mean- yeah. So Jenny, real quick, are you, so, um, can you tell me real quick, what are some woo practices that really hit home for you right now that are just, that are working for you? I had a profoundly powerful experience with a, with a medium connecting to my deceased father. Now mm. I, um, it's not a practice really. It was just, it was an experience that I cannot explain. It could not be Googled. The information she shared could not be Googled. Um, it was, and it has, it has given way to allowing for me grieving my father and that relationship in a way I, I just could not access before. And it's also opened up an ability to be in relationship with my father that I could not access before that has been profound wow. and has wow. really helped with what I'm working, I'm going through with my mom. The other woo, I mean, you know, energy work. I, I just have to say hands-on energy work with an energy healer. I mean, again, this is my osteopath, but she is, she is an energy worker by all means. And it has been, it, I mean, she cleared my sciatica that I'd had for 20 years in one session. Um, when I go and see her, especially going through all this stress with, with everything that's going on, I can feel my body open up. I can feel I can just feel the areas that she's working on with. And then later I'll say, Oh, it fe- I just felt my, my heart relax, my heart open. And she was like, or, you know, there's just validation in that. And I can't put any science behind it. I mean, it's, it's literally just hands-on barely touching. That's a practice that is um, really speaking to me. And then I got to say, I just booked a call with my tarot card lady who is a tarot reader and tarot. also a comedian and she is hilarious. And so I <laughs> <laughs> that we have these like great these great readings where like she is so spot on, Justin. I mean, like mm. I, we don't have time to go into examples, but it's like the stuff that she has told me, and then it just completely plays out that way. I'm mind blown. But then she's also totally hilarious, and so it's like the the humor brought into our readings, nourished well. like, and so, entertained. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those are just those are just some things, but I mean they're pretty basic. I mean I don't think those those are even that out there in terms of woo. Well, but it all depends on who 
you're talking to. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Jenny, this is just the beginning. So we are going to have another podcast this month where we're going to get to talk even more about Woo with another guest. Um, And I'm so excited. We're going to get to do it together. Jenny, thank you so much. I'm I'm thrilled that you're my co-host. This bump. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, Justin. We're going to have so many great conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for this. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents. So let's spread the love.